Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and we're hoping that you're having a lovely midweek morning because Aoife Grace in Inna Shannon is one happy lady this morning. Aoife was caller 103 when we played the C103 4 play for 4K. It was Ken on the breakfast show this morning played our four songs back to back and in the correct order and can I say to you the phone lines exploded when Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits uh, started to uh, play. I don't think I've ever seen a reaction uh, like it. There was thousands of people trying to get through on the phone and actually when I came into the studio I've noticed on the WhatsApp a number of people were trying to ring on the WhatsApp as well. The only number for the C103 4Play for 4K is our phone line number the 0818 103 103 and listening to Ken as he played out the last few from sort of caller 100, 101, 102 oh to the person who was anything from 100 on it's like oh so close so close but no cigar and it was Aoife Grace from Inna Shannon who I really don't think initially when Ken took the call and he was playing with her a little bit I really don't think that she could believe that she was caller 103. She's a happy happy lady and she has won for herself €4,000. Congratulations to you Aoife. We hope you have fun spending the money and that it's the start maybe of a very very lucky year uh, for you and what has been a lucky day for Aoife Grace today something similar could happen to you in the next coming days hours weeks we don't know because it has been decided we are going to do the C103 foreplay for 4K we're going to do it all over again and we are giving away another 4,000 euros so a brand new foreplay for 4K kicks in as and from now with song number one being Queen It's a Kind of Magic 
Dermot Kennedy's Giants will be the second song. The third song will be the wonderful track from Madonna, Like a Prayer. And people will be praying that they will be the winner of the 4K. And the fourth and final song, and that will be the one that you will get dialing on, will be Elton John and Dua Lipa's Cold Heart. So make a note of those four brand new songs for our foreplay for 4K for your chance to be like Aoife Grayson in a Shannon and win for yourself €4,000. Queen, It's a Kind of Magic, Dermot Kennedy's Giants, Madonna's Like a Prayer and the fourth song, Elton John, Dua Lipa, Cold Heart. And exactly what we did with Ken on The Breakfast Show this morning, the four songs have to be played in that order. No other order, just that order. And when you hear the fourth and final song, you get dialing to 0818 103 103. It's another C103 four play for 4K with McCroom Motors where your journey to electric begins with the full range of Toyota self-charging hybrid vehicles and see McCroomMotors.com for more and stay listening to win only on C103. And Cork County Council have been on to say that the boil water notice has been lifted for people getting their water from the new market public water supply. Okay, that's the new market public water supply. The boil water notice has been lifted there. I know that there is other boil water notes that remain in place, but that one has been lifted. So that will come as good news to people who get their water supply from the from the new market public water. Okay, um, again, all of our thoughts are still very much with uh, Ukraine. And uh, good to see actually our story from yesterday that was probably one of the most difficult pieces of radio I've had to do in a long uh, time when we were talking about that little boy Leonid who has arrived from the Ukraine the little five year old arriving in Ireland and is now due to undergo life saving bone marrow transplant and talking to his mum Yana and talking to his aunt Victoria yesterday was just really really difficult I have to say but great to see that a lot of the papers have picked up on that uh, story because obviously as a family they need to get the story out of what's going on in their own home country but also they need to get the story out because there's a fundraiser now there's a GoFundMe underway to cover the cost of little Leonid's cancer treatment that he's going to need while in this country and so many people I know had contacted me yesterday saying that they were in tears listening yesterday to Yana, his mum and to Victoria, his aunt uh, speaking and everybody just wanting to wish little Leonid the very best and you know to say that he's in our thoughts and prayers and we will I promise you I just don't want to, I'm trying to leave the family God help them what they're going through at the moment so we don't want to be pestering them but we will keep in contact with them probably via Deputy Michael Collins who's been instrumental and helping get them out of the Ukraine just to see how they're doing and how the treatment is going and if there's anything that they need or anything that we can help them with we certainly will share it with you. But I want to take a quick break and then we're going to go to Brussels just to get the reaction yesterday to the Ukrainian President Zelensky when he addressed the European Parliament that's coming up next. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Yesterday, in a video link to the European Parliament, Ukrainian President Zelensky urged that European urged the European Union to prove that it would side with Ukraine in its war with Russia. One of those listening to his pleas was Ireland South MEP Deirdre Clune who joins me this morning. Good morning to you Deirdre. 
Good morning, Patricia. Now, I saw you, I think it was on Twitter, holding a Ukrainian flag and wearing a T-shirt at the Parliament yesterday. Is it important as members of the European Parliament that you show that type of support? Yes, I think it is. No, I wasn't the only one. There was lots of um, members there standing, as we say, in solidarity with Ukraine. Uh, because the scenes we see there are horrific. I mean, what's happening is outrageous. Uh, a, a dictator invading another country, a peaceful country. And um, I think what we've symbolised, what we do in Europe, in the European Union, you know, freedom, uh, democracy, when we use all these terms, rule of law, it means uh, the type of freedoms that Ukraine is standing for, that Russia wants to completely deny them. So there is a, a bond between the two, and uh, we stood in solidarity with them to say we support them. And that's what the president called for. It was quite an emotional sitting, if you like, of the parliament. Um, symbolic, maybe, but uh, and I think more than that, in terms of the resolution we passed in the end, uh, condemning Russia, uh, calling for Ukraine's uh, membership of the European Union, to be um, to be addressed. Uh, they've applied for it, and we want the Commission to take it seriously, and the Council, which I believe they will do. And it also and calling for support for Ukraine, saying we stand with them, we recognise what you're fighting for, what you're fighting for is what we stand for. And in many ways, it was a wake-up call, I think, for all of us that we're not shouldn't be complacent uh, about the freedoms that we do have, the right to elect who we want, and to put our president or our, our parliament in place as we choose. To have freedom of media and that, that t- all those types of freedoms uh, that we that are enshrined in European values that Ukraine is now standing f- and fighting for. So it's a, probably in many ways the war or the invasion in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine is maybe in this dictatorship versus uh, democracy and freedoms. Yeah, and and you mentioned membership of the European Union. I mean, and the Ukrainian government mm. very much wants to be mm. a part of uh, the European Union. Just explain uh, that to us. I mean, they, th- this mm-hmm. isn't something that they now, because of what's happening with Russia's invasion, they've they have wanted to be a part of the EU for some time. They have, yes. I mean, since two thousand and fourteen, they have been wanting part of the European Union, and I remember. When I was first elected to the parliament, we had um, a, a, a symbol, a signing of an accession agreement between uh, the Ukraine and the European Union that would begin negotiations and the process of assessing whether they had, well, standards is, the wrong, is probably the wrong word to use, EU requirements in terms of, uh, you know, free, independent judiciary, free democ- democratic institutions, that. So um, it has stalled a little. I mean, it hasn't been advanced by be Ukraine, but I think it, it, it's under a new presidency now, President Zelensky, and um, his people absolutely want to become members of the European Union. That was his reason for being elected, one of his reasons. So they want to become members of the European Union. And uh, that, to do that, to grant status, it, it means there's a process where you check or assess the, the state of their institutions, but also help them towards getting to those to that standard. And it'll be a matter for the heads of all the governments, the 27 states now, Ireland being one of them, and I know Tishuk said he fully supports it in a phone call with Ukraine president yesterday. Ireland supports their membership. And then the commission, um, giving a recommendation to the commission, the commission adv- advanced the process. Yeah, and they, so they needed. That. Yeah, and they need it now. They need that membership. Need I think now, now and, and, more and more than, than ever. Symbol, well, it's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol, but it's a statement of fact, a statement of intent on behalf of the European Union and Ukraine. 
which is another, um, uh, which isn't going to be keep make Mr. Putin happy. I don't know if that's part of his reason for he wants to build, rebuild his Soviet Union. But I think it's and, an important statement. And Deirdre, the resolve and the determination and the bravery of the Russian people. It's, it's something that we're hearing, you know, here in Ireland mm. and our listeners are, are constantly uh, talking about it. Is that something that's been spoken about at, at Parliament uh, level? Are, are people taken aback Absolutely. at the resolve of, the, of these people to fight for their independence and to fight for their land? They're fighting for, yeah, their resolve. I mean, the, the images of ordinary citizens making Molotov cocktails, arming themselves, training. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I think it's been in the last week or so, there's been just a huge admiration, but they've really fired up everybody else and say, well, you know, they're fighting for our principles as well there. And uh, ordinary people and, you know, men going back to fight, uh, women and children leaving the country, but men actually going back to fight and um, taking up arms or whatever kind of munitions they have against the might of the Russian army, which is tanks and uh, missiles. I mean, it's it's incredible, but they are determined to fight. And, and, and you know, if they, ha- if they have said, and we were told yesterday, you know, we, we will have, if we die, we know we may die, but we're doing that for our country, for our people, for our future, for the children's future. So it's it's really, it's it's amazing. It's hugely, um, oh, it's, it's, it's inspiring. And here we are in a world, in a changed world, and looking at uh, people that call themselves European, which they are Ukrainians, fighting for their country and fighting for their for their freedoms. Yeah, none, none of want. us ever thought we'd see war in, in Europe in, in our lifetime and that's what we're seeing and I thought Ursula mm. von der Leyen uh, the European uh, Commission President yesterday I thought she summed it up very well when she said you know this is a clash between the rule of law and the rule of the gun between democracies and how we respond today to what Russia is doing will determine the future of the international system this isn't just a fight in Ukraine this is a fight for all of us no, that's the point. I mean, this is a fight for all of us. I mean, if we allow, if, if, if Russia can squash a country such as Ukraine and all of the freedoms that we have, um, that's a fight for all of us. It's a fight for Western democracy. It's a fight for what we stand, what we stand for. And do we really appreciate it and understand it? I think we, we will until it's taken from us, mm-hmm. if it's taken from, you know, like as the Ukrainians, as we are witnessing now in Ukraine, um, you know, the people in bunkers and basements bombs air raids it's it's incredible i never thought we'd see it and how did people of Christ, how did we get to this point again in the world where some one man can be so powerful compared to hitler's time um, it's complacency it's uh, we have to we really do have to stand up for what we've fought for what we've established uh, what we value, I mean, and I don't think yeah. any of our children or grandchildren would thank us for yeah, and the difference by at these times. The difference this time between eighty years ago with Hitler, we can't say we didn't know what was happening. The world, the world is is watching. The sanctions against Russia, uh, Deirdre, are they enough? Could they go further? Well, they may go further. Still, not everything is off the table. Yeah, there's stuff on the table as well. Further sanctions on their banks. I mean, I think you see from a sanctions point of view, their economy is really crippled. Interest rates have gone up to 20 percent and that's affecting ordinary Russians. I know their mortgage and commitments that they may have. Um, the ruble has plummeted. Um, so uh, sanctions are affecting them. Uh, movement of cash is impossible. Payment, international payments aren't possible. When you heard President Biden last night saying we're going to seize their yachts and their luxury villas. 
so the elites where it hurts and let, make them put pressure on their president. Um, but sanctions are working and more may need to be done. But sanctions are going to hurt Europe as well. I think we shouldn't be under any illusions. I and mean, if we're going to not buy Russian oil and gas, well, then they're European member states, particularly Germany and, uh, and others, absolutely, who are dependent on those supplies. So um, we'll be looking else. They'll be looking elsewhere and you know, trying to get alternative supplies. And Norway has been very uh, supportive, and uh, Northern Africa countries as well. But you know, um, there will be a crunch for Europe as well. Uh, and today, the Minister for Agriculture is in Brussels discussing, you know, food security. Um, if uh, Ukraine is one of the biggest wheat suppliers in the world, and what does that mean? <laughs> what are the implications of that for all of us? So. This isn't uh, just something we see on television, you know, it's going to affect all of us. And uh, the sooner, I mean, it's an easy statement to make, the sooner the war comes to an end, the better. But that's absolutely the fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and just going back to uh, yesterday and President Mm -hmm. Zelenka's address uh, to the European Union, what what was it like sitting there watching that? I mean, even to hear the translator's voice break isn't something you often here and no and it's not uh, what was the atmosphere just, what was the atmosphere like yeah. in the parliament it was kind of a I mean, there was there was kind of a frenzy excited you know people weren't almost well they were listening to it, but you know there was just this pent-up energy and you know we're we're with you before you ever speak you know with that yeah. kind of a impression and before he spoke the um ambassador the ukrainian ambassador to the european union was welcomed he was in the gallery and he got a really resounding round of applause i mean just a wave kept going through the parliament when it keeps going people stop then wave again because you know he symbolized the ukrainian people their government representative in the european union and there we were standing like we are representatives of the people of europe we've been elected directly the meps directly so it's the one form when you have representatives from across europe standing in, you know, sitting in public, standing to and uh, giving a standing ovation to their ambassador, to the president um, of, of Ukraine and saying, you know, we really we stand with you. And, you know, that's the, I think it's it's so it's one of those moments where emotion it's all you can do is stand and applaud yeah. and uh, clap, yeah. you know, just, just to give to, if we want to send a strong message. We have a resolution here, which is very strong uh, and they're very strong words and they're important. But, you know, you know, to see you eye to eye and to be able to, um, to, you know, to say we're with you. All we could do was clap. And, uh, yeah, I know. But, I, but I, I keep I, standing. Yeah, I watched it on the on the TV and I just felt, you know, you it was almost like here were our representatives in Europe uh, and you were standing on behalf of all of the Europeans yes. to tell the Ukrainians, yeah. you know, the world is with you. OK, listen, uh, dear. our opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> listen, dear, I'll let you go. And I know you're at the airport uh, about to head back and, and, and we appreciate you taking time out uh, to talk to us. Thank you for that. And, and we will chat again. Thank Good you. morning to you. Good morning. Uh, to is uh, Deirdre Clune, MEP. And Deirdre joined us uh, just before I came on air this morning where she was at the airport in uh, Brussels, as I mentioned, they're about to uh, get on a plane to uh, fly home. Now, we did, while I was speaking with uh, Deirdre, we referenced the the uh, translator who was translating on behalf of the Ukrainian president, um, yesterday and you couldn't help but be touched by the emotion in the translator's voice so we're just going to play out a little bit of what President Zelensky had to say yesterday and obviously the voice you're hearing is the voice of the Ukrainian translator. Can you imagine this morning two cruise missiles hit this Freedom Square dozens of 
killed once. This is the price of freedom. We are fighting just for our land and for our freedom. Despite the fact that all large cities of our country are now blocked, nobody is going to enter and intervene with our freedom and country. And believe you me, every square of today, no matter what it's called, is going to be called as today Freedom Square in every city of our country. Nobody's going to break us. We're strong. We're Ukrainians. We are exactly the same as you are. Ukraine, European Union, are showing everybody that's exactly what we are. Yet the European Union is going to be much stronger with us, that's for sure. Without you, Ukraine is going to be lonely, lonesome. We have proven our strength. We have proven that, as at a minimum, we are exactly the, the same as you are. So do prove that you are with us. Do prove that you will not let us go. Do prove that you indeed are Europeans. And then life will win over death and light will win over darkness. Glory be to Ukraine. Okay, and as I say, that is the translator translating what President Zelensky had to say to the European Parliament uh, yesterday, you know, and speaking about the desire to see our children alive. And he said, you know, I think it's a fair one, and isn't it? It's, some, it's a desire that we all have is to see our children uh, alive and living in a peaceful country. So well done. I don't know what that translator's name is, but, you know, as Deirdre said, normally the translators and the translators in all of the different countries, obviously in the European uh, Parliament, but they're normally just so dead pan because they literally are just translating translating what has been spoken but obviously it is a Ukrainian gentleman himself uh, so the words very much were resonating with him uh, well done uh, to him uh, and once again our thanks to Deirdre Clune for speaking with us this morning and by the way a couple of people when I mentioned that some of the newspapers today had picked up on my interviews yesterday with Michael Collins and with Jana the mum of little Leonid and Victoria his aunt and it was good to see a lot of the newspapers picking up on it and I mentioned as we mentioned yesterday a GoFundMe page has been launched to raise the money that will be needed for the leukaemia treatment for little uh, Leonid and somebody's asking what is the name of the GoFundMe page it's simply if you go into GoFundMe and if you put in help Leonid E-L-E-O Leo Leonid N-I-D with his leukaemia treatment it will come up it's um uh, Sasha Weldon, Alexander Weldon, his cousin, who lives in Ballydehop, who has set up the GoFundMe page, and they set it up yesterday with a target. I thought when I saw the target, bless their hearts, of €1,000. And I'm thinking, God, they're going to need more than €1,000. Anyway, they didn't have to worry about uh, only hoping to raise €1,000. It is almost at uh, €40,000. €39,735. Euro. 
when I just checked it there a moment ago, almost 40,000. That is just incredible. And what I loved when the GoFundMe page was launched, they don't know how much they're going to need for little Leonid's uh, cancer treatment, uh, but they, they put on the GoFundMe page that, you know, the money will be used for his treatment, for his cancer treatment. And in particular, he needs a bone marrow transplant. I think that's the most urgent thing he needs. But any uh, profits, then any money left over uh, is going to be donated to the Irish Cancer Society, which I thought was such generosity of that family to be thinking of other cancer patients. All of their focus is on this little boy who now successfully has made it out of Kiev, bearing in mind uh, Kiev, bearing in mind that the hospital in Kiev where he was due to get his bone marrow transplant has since been bombed. I mean it just doesn't bear thinking about and all we can do now is hope that the treatment that the doctors in Kiev had hoped to do for him that you know the Irish doctors obviously they'll take a look at all of the notes that are coming in and thank you to a number of people who have jumped in to offer to do translation of those notes in particular there's one a gentleman that we're hoping to make contact with because he has he can translate the Ukrainian the Ukrainian documents but he also has the medical knowledge because we need transit when you're translating medical documents it's very very specific translation because obviously there's medical uh, terms so the Irish doctors need to take a look at what the Ukrainian doctors were hoping to do and I suppose to decide if that is the right course of action for little uh, Leonid so well done to everyone who has contributed and some people have been really really generous but as always with these GoFundMe pages it's the fivers the tenors the 20 euros it's all of those small donations that really mount up and as I say at almost 40,000 euro that is terrific 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie and we're moving on to the issue of motor tax because the government is being called on to address the higher cost of paying car tax in more than one annual payment. The issue was raised at a meeting of Cork County Council this week by Councillor Seamus McGrath, uh, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you, you're welcome. I suppose, firstly, start by just remind us how paying your car tax works, if, particularly if you opt to divide the cost over the year. Yeah, so, if, as you know, if you get your motor tax bill, um, you can pay it annually in one, in one go, and you'll pay the actual rate uh, that it is to tax your car uh, for the year. But if you decide to pay it, for example, if you decide to pay it three months or six months, you'll you'll have a surcharge, basically. Um, so if you if you pay on a quarterly basis, over the course of the year, you'll end up paying 13% more to tax your vehicle. And if you pay, um, you know, over six-monthly, in other words, two payments over the course of the year, you'll end up paying 11% more. So just to take someone with a motor tax bill of €390, for example, they'll end up paying €450 if they do it in quarterly payments. Um, So I'm basically saying, what is the justification for this? I don't believe there is any. Um, I think it probably goes back to a historical system whereby most people would have would have physically gone into the motor tax office to, to tax their vehicle and there would have been a certain amount of staff involved. Obviously, there'd be an administration and so on, and po- possibly that was the justification back in the day. But as we know, most people um, renew their tax online now. Um, so I think there's no justification whatsoever um, to have these additional charges. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there should be a motor tax rate for your vehicle and that should be the cost that you pay. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're right. I mean, back in the day, you know, you 
you queued up at the motor tax office yeah. and you took your ticket and you waited in, in line. And you're right, there, was, there was, certainly was more people working uh, there. I mean, now it's the click of a button. So you, you assume that they don't have to have as many people working to justify a surge. Yeah, charge. look, it's the click of a button. And I suppose I made the comparison with the local property tax, for example. Um, and none of us like taxes, but if you pay the local property tax in one lump sum or if you pay it over the course of monthly payments, there's no additionality involved. You don't pay anything extra over the course of well, the year. Well, that's a good comparison. Um, so so why should you pay extra for your motor tax over the course of the year? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't matter how you pay it. Um, you should pay the same amount. And I suppose, Patricia, I think this obviously, um, disproportionately impacts on people of lower income uh, because if your motor tax comes in the post today and you are not in a position to pay the full year, and you opt to pay three months or whatever, um, you know, you obviously, it's because of an inability to pay the full amount possibly, or in some cases it might be that your vehicle is old and you don't necessarily want to tax it for the 12 months. Um, But people shouldn't be penalised for taxing their vehicle over three months or over six months. Um, So I think it should be strictly on a pro-rata basis. Uh, I think that's the only fair and equitable system. Um, And I really think the system that's in place is, is... a historical one and needs to change and I think this is something the government should do quickly because I mean we all know the inflationary cycle we're in the the increase in household bills energy bills and so on like that and the package the government did announce a couple of weeks ago I suppose there was criticism that there wasn't anything in it for motorists Um, I think this is something they could give um, because a lot of people do tax their vehicle um, you know in parts over the year we'll say over three months over six months and this would be something back you know it, it would be 13% less in your bill if you do a quarterly and it would be 11% less in your bill if you do it over two payments so I think this is something that should be done and we I'm very pleased to say that the council members did fully agree with the motion and we agreed to, to pass a resolution and send it on to the Minister for Transport so Unfortunately, it isn't within our power to make the change. It has to be done nationally by the minister. Um, But I really think there is no justification for continuing the old system. And I think the only fair and equitable system is to bring about a pro-rata system. Okay, Larry in Ballancolic says, Well done to Councillor Seamus Murphy for raising this issue. I live on a fixed income. I put away a bit every week to cover various bills and that's what I have to do with my car tax as well. It always infuriates me when I have to pay every three months because I know I am paying more. But I don't have any any other option because I'm on a fixed uh, income and that is the point it is as you've mentioned it is in the main people that are on low incomes people that can afford it will just pay their bill once once a year but it's those on the fixed income low incomes yeah. are the one that have to you know balance it out throughout the year budget for it yeah no without a doubt and I think that's the key point here you know it is impacting on individuals and families uh, on lower incomes um, and I think that that's that's grossly unfair. Um, and look, it's a system that's been in place for a long time, but it is time that it changed. And we're, we live in an online world now. I think the overwhelming majority of people would renew their tax online. Some obviously still go to the motor tax office, and, and that's perfectly fine. But the majority do it online. And I know from the county council, you know, the level of staffing involved um, has reduced significantly because of the online system. So um, it, it, it's high time this changed. And I think, you know, I really do dwell on the point of the discrimination on those who just aren't in a position to pay the full amount and I, I just think there is no there's no defence of that. Um, and people are struggling at the moment and people are trying to save money left, right and centre with the rising cost of inflation. So, you know, it might seem like a small uh, token but it will help. That's the point. No, no, it will help and I mean, again, I go back to people on lower income in particular. I mean, you know, they shouldn't have to pay more by, by paying it in part but equally, I suppose, 
people of that income may tend to have older vehicles, for example, and as we know, the older vehicles are taxed more, particularly if they're prior to 2008 when the change came in. So, you know, if you have an older vehicle in the old tax regime, then you are quite possibly paying five, six hundred euro a year in tax, and 13% on that, you know, could, a lot be, of money. It could be 120 euro of a difference yeah. in the course of the year. So that's, that's a significant amount of money. Um, you know, it really is, and Again, look, I just think you know, this is a change the government can make. It can be done quickly. It would be a taxation change, but um, I'd be interested to see what the response from the Minister is and we can keep you updated on that. OK, please do. And somebody else says, could you ask Seamus while he's at it, uh, would you also see if you could do something about paying your road tax at the post office? I always feel we should be able to pay it at the local post office. That's, I suppose, is an argument for another day. But a yeah. lot of people do see that as putting extra footfall through the post offices and we know how important our local post offices are. Yeah. No, I would completely agree. I think public services should be done through the post office. The social welfare, motor tax would be a good example. Um, so look, absolutely, we, we will get a response back from the Minister um, and it will be our intention to reply to that response again so we can make the case for, for payments through the post office system okay. as well. OK, well done, well done. OK, keep in contact with us yeah. on it, uh, Seamus, and thanks for that. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks, thanks. Uh, for joining us. That is Councillor Seamus McGrath doing his bit, I think, on behalf of motorists. And of course, it's, it's, there's two certainties in, in life, death, and taxes. If you drive a car, you have to pay car tax. You have no choice about it. But if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of money and you're, you know, as Larry says, really good at budgeting. I think, you know, people on low incomes who budget really well would make fantastic accountants. They know how to budget and how to make their money stretch as best they can. But with rising cost of inflation and everything going up, any way that we can help to save money or to pay less has got to be welcomed. And I've always thought, I've always thought it just seemed really really unfair that just because somebody is paying their road tax every three months because they can't afford to pay the full 12-month amount, why they should be paying 13% more. That's a that's a steep, steep amount extra or 11% more if you pay it every six months. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Just a shout out for a quiz night that is going to be held in aid of the Red Cross Ukraine appeal. It's happening on this Friday night in O'Brien's Bar on Connolly Street in Clonakilty with a nine o'clock at start. And actually the Red Cross are the UNHCR who are directly working with refugees is a great way if you have a few extra bob and you want to help out the plight of the people in the Ukraine because they are on the ground so they know how to best spend the money. And by all accounts, the Red Cross are doing fantastic work, not just in in Ukraine, but also in the neighbouring countries where the refugees are coming through. They really are uh, playing a blinder. So best of luck to everybody at O'Brien's Bar, Condy Street in Clan for that table quiz for the Red Cross Ukraine appeal on Friday night. Now, a number of people commenting on my interview in the last hour with Councillor Seamus McGrath, uh, who raised an issue at the County Council and it really seems to have resonated with a lot of people. And it's to do with people who pay their motor tax either every three months or every six months. And by doing that, it costs you more than if, say, you decide to do a one-off payment when your motor tax is due the bill comes in and if you pay it you'll get it cheaper. I was really taken aback to see how much more if you pay it every three months which a lot of people on a low income do you'll pay 13% more 
over the year. And if you do it every six months, you'll pay 11% more. That is extremely high. Uh, some people on about that. Uh, Joe in Kilmallock uh, says it's so expensive in this country to tax your car. If we're all part of the EU, why can't we pay our road tax in another country? Are you for real, Joe? You pay road tax in the country where you live and drive, Joe, because the idea is that that's a pot of money that's supposed to go towards maintaining the roads in which you live. But wouldn't it be great if just because of members of the EU, we could cherry pick which taxes we wanted to pay in each country? Never going to happen, Joe. Never going to happen. Hi, I live on my own and I don't earn a lot. I struggle taxing my car. And like some of your previous uh, texters, I pay it every three months. Marie then is picking up on Seamus McGrath, who mentioned that on the local property tax, if you want to make a comparison with other taxes, with the local property tax, if you pay it in instalments, you don't pay anything else. You pay the same amount when it's all added up over the year. Marie points out that she pays her property tax at the post office and she does this monthly. And she says there is a transaction fee of one euro for every property tax uh, payment, which in turn then makes the property tax more expensive for the less well off, says Marie. Yeah, because if you're doing it monthly, a euro every month, so you will pay 12 euro over what you should be paying on your uh, property tax. And Noreen in Blarney said, so glad to see that you're discussing the issue of penalising people, and then she puts in brackets, like me, who pay our road tax every three months being uh, addressed. Also probably been discussed previously, but I think it's also unfair that we have to pay higher car tax on a 08 1.4 Corolla which by the way she says recently passed the NCT. I'm wondering could Councillor Seamus McGrath try to address that as well and actually Eleanor in Carrigaline has contacted us on that very issue. Good morning to you Eleanor. Good morning Patricia, how are you? I'm very well thank you. You feel it's unfair like Noreen and Blarney if you just happen to be driving an older car you will pay more on car tax. There's an awful lot of discrimination, I feel, in relation to to road tax, because if you are an owner of an older car, even older than 08, you're even more discriminated against because there is an old system there. And it's the modern system came in in 2008 It's to do with emissions and stuff from cars. And my son has a high-powered car that is newer than 08, and he's only charged €280 per year. And I have a smaller car, and I'm paying 544 if I pay it in one lump sum, and it'll cost me €68 in the difference if I want to pay it on a three-monthly scheme. So there's um, there's no justice to that, in my opinion. And along with that, you have the same problem when you go to go and get your car insurance. They don't want to know people with the older cars in that respect either. So like with the price of fuel and everything else that's currently going through the roof with everybody else, it's just impossible to come up with the extra money. So motorists... if you're on on a lower um, income, you know. Motorists are being hammered at the moment. Absolutely, from every side and every quarter. Like, as I say, particularly with people who have are not in the position or the lucky position to be able to purchase a new car. And I mean, all the old cars need to be NCT'd every year. And like even during the pandemic there, when people were told to stay at home, you still had to tax your car, even though that there was a possibility that you didn't move it for a, a, a three-month period. 
But if you had to do that, then you had to take your um, ring into the thing or send in notification that your car was actually off of the road because other than that, you would be back taxed and you'd have to pay the full amount of tax anyway. Yeah, we heard a lot of people, particularly in the early days, people who were the so-called cocooning brigade, yes. and they were really getting caught. You know, didn't drive their car at all, but uh, just paid up the road tax. But um, but and also, you know, I know you 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 think you go so far as to say it's it's discriminating against people in uh, older cars. But I think you're right. It's not that everybody wants to be driving an older car. It's just there's a lot of people can't afford to go out and buy a newer one, and the electric ones don't get me started on electrics. We'd all love to be driving an electric car, but by God, the cost of them. But I mean, it's it's the same thing, Patricia. If you were in the lucky position that you could buy a car, a lot of the younger people are doing it on high purchase and so on and so forth. And it takes you roughly five years to pay off that. And if you think of it, that they're saying the average life of a car basically is about 10 years. Mm. And if you buy a €30,000 car, which is an average price, I believe, yeah. uh, over 10 years, that's €3,000 a year, which equates to €60 a week before you put any insurance, tax, petrol, running costs, tyres, the whole shebang onto it. I mean, you need a mortgage for that, particularly for young people starting out now who are trying to get houses and, you know, everything else in life that's... You know, that, that's just, relevant, really, yeah, like, you know. Just just, just living uh, costs. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, the, 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 the car tax definitely, I feel, needs to be looked at into, um, like, because a lot of people would be saying it, but there's nobody saying to be There's no one doing anything on about board. it. And I, and I also think your point on people who drive the older cars, they're hammered with their car tax Uh, you also have to pay for your NCT the NCT isn't free every year and when we're constantly telling people oh shop around on your car insurance you can't you have to stay with your provider because no one will touch you Nobody will go with a car that's over 10 years. I tried around a few times earlier on this year and I was told actually over the phone as well that if I got three refusals from an insurance comp- from different insurance company that there is um, another place where you can go. Um, but you have to take the quote then that you're got. Yeah, that's you it. Understand, you and it can be an unbelievable quote that you wouldn't be exactly, able to afford. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I mean, um, myself... I'm on an OAP, so I mean, it makes an awful difference every shilling, even counts our euro cent, even down to the fact of a cent in, in the current conditions. Like, with, you go down to the shop and everything has gone up, mm. and you know, it's just it's just gone unreal. But I think, like, if the um, McGrath person there was going to make a representation, that it should be a broader, um, like, to go back into the people. Like, I could be driving down the road now and I have a 05. And I'm driving next to somebody who has a 08 or a 09. And I might be a lower um, CCs, as they call it, in the older cars, to the newer one, which is rated on their emissions and stuff like that. And I could actually be paying three times as much, what yeah, you are. As much yeah, on, yeah. on tax as the person alongside me. We're all using the same road. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And even Councillor Seamus McGrath has said he thinks it discriminates uh, against lower income drivers. And that's exactly what it does. All right. OK. The, the thing about it as well, Patricia, like is that, you know, um, long term, it's only going to get worse 
because of the situation in Ukraine out, in Ukraine and stuff like that. Like so, I mean, it would be better to kind of, you know, take it on board now. And when they're making this forward thinking stuff like that, to just think about the people who cannot afford to buy the newer cars. And like, we all have to do the NCT and stuff, as I say. And if your car passes that with the emissions that were braided for the years that your car was based on and stuff like that. Yeah, your car is okay. Your car is okay. Okay, Okay. all right. Good points, Eleanor. Thank you for that. Valid points. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, My pleasure. My my pleasure. Bye bye. That is Eleanor in Carrigaline. I think summing up how a lot of people feel, particularly people who are driving any car that was bought before 2008. People really are caught when it comes to the road uh, tax. I mean, it can be a huge, huge huge difference between even on as she says a small car 544 euros and an extra 68 euro on that so bringing it up to over 600 euro if she taxes it every three months against her son who's driving a much bigger car but because it's a newer car he gets away with road tax for the year for 280 it does seem particularly unfair and Councillor Seamus McGrath himself feels that it is discriminating against people on lower uh, incomes. 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Munster Technological University Enhance your career prospects With MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses Succeeding together with MTU.ie Healthcare slash household assistance are wanted for the Lima Lara area Please apply with your CV to HR at brookfieldcc.ie Or you can call 021 Four six four two one one two. Summer work is available at McSweeney's Irish Pub. It's in Indian Lake in New York State. It's for students with a J1 visa. Now, free board will be available to the suitable applicants. And Dave can give you all of the details on baileymcsweeney1 at gmail.com. And we're actually going to be hearing more about that particular Uh, those particular job offers on the programme uh, later on in this hour. A lorry driver is wanted for delivering plant machinery. That's in the West Cork area. See licence, please, 086-832-8570. And an experienced bicycle mechanic is required for the Cork City area. Email cyclescene at gmail.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie This is Eating Disorder Awareness Week and BodyWise, the national voluntary organisation that supports people affected by eating disorders say they have seen a 125% jump in the numbers of people attending their support programmes. Barry Murphy is Research and Policy Officer with BodyWise and Barry joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. Do we know roughly how many people are affected by an eating disorder in this country? Yeah, so in this country, the HSE would estimate over 188,000 people would experience an eating disorder at some point in their life, and that's in terms of people from, say, 10 to age 49, that age demographic. As young as 10? 
Yeah, it can it can sometimes happen in the the preteen age group as well, and actually the the more broadly the age of onset tends to be kind of in the mid teens and upwards. Yeah, yeah, and the numbers are, I believe, increasing. Do do we know why? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the the most prominent statistic around the pandemic, in particular, I suppose, has been one for hospital figures. But it's important to say that even as far as we're on the rise pre-COVID anyway, and that's true not just in Ireland, but elsewhere as well. I suppose the simple version of the pandemic is really the risk factors around eating disorders increased, whilst a lot of the protective factors were taken away. So school, college, all that sense of shutdown. And then just with the length and the intensity of everything going on and all the uncertainty that has kind of been really the perfect storm for eating eating disorders to flourish, sadly, and clinicians, right, the length and breadth of the country have reported increases. And of course, many people who don't know uh, someone who is uh, affected by an eating disorder, when you talk about eating disorders, a lot of people would think of sort of the teenage girl, you know, the very thin teenage girl suffering with anorexia and our uh, bulimia. But, you know, when you're talking about people, 188,000, I'm just I'm blown away by the number, uh, aged between 10 and 49. And that can affect ma- males as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to say that, you know, this has been a, an old statistic around men of one in 10. And we've always known that's kind of been kind of an underestimate, really. It's more potentially one in four, really. And although I think the conversation around men is, is starting to grow a little bit more now, we've a webinar on tomorrow, Thursday evening at seven o'clock based solely on men's experience of eating disorders it's still quite difficult for them to put their hands up. And that's why I think a lot of them are kind of very hidden, kind of in the shadows. And men and boys are, are very much the untold stories of eating mm, disorders. Mm, I agree, I agree. Is there a, a level of stigma attached to having an eating disorder? Certainly some of the, the misconceptions that are out there don't help people. And there can be all this idea that it's a phase or it's a diet gone wrong or it's a, it's a lifestyle choice when we know in reality it's you know it's, it's quite a back-breaking mental health illness and a serious and complex illness that a person lives with affects every aspect of their life physical emotional psychological and really every aspect from kind of dental health to physiological problems as well yeah, I mean, is there a real lack of awareness, do you think, around the challenges that face somebody who's suffering from an eating disorder? Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, someone once said there's more awareness than there is understanding. So unless it's been under your own roof or in your own kind of close friendship circle, then there is that very stereotyped kind of quite narrow, narrow view. And there's a lot of hidden issues as well. There's a very strong connection, for example, with autism, a strong connection with sport. So it's it's a really multifaceted issue living with an eating disorder. And I think adults also have a quite a hard time feeling included in the conversation as well. And family members, I mean, living with somebody who has an eating disorder, the families need a lot of support too. Certainly, yeah, the, the 
there are several reasons for that, I suppose. But one is kind of just as such a, a change in the person. I mean, their personality changes. There are very big issues around the physical deterioration in a person. The person may stop kind of socialising, be very socially isolated and, and withdrawal and that. So really for us, kind of supporting families, is it's not necessarily turning them a parent or a carer into an expert on an eating disorder, but it's about giving them the, the coping tools to, to better support their person and as well just giving parents that space where they can have kind of a bit of breathing room and kind of link in with other parents who are in a similar situation too. Yeah, I was reading in yesterday's Irish Examiner a brilliant piece by journalist Anne Murphy and, and actually I know she quoted uh, Body Wise in her piece and she'd be well known for uh, doing really good pieces about eating disorders but she uh, was chatting with the mother of a teenager who was un, who had an undiagnosed eating disorder and this mother was saying that she feels trapped by her child's illness due to the burden of responsibility would you see that reflected in many families? Yeah, certainly. I think the the stress levels do go up for families. And uh, there was a study a while ago from Norway that kind of very much hinted at this idea that you know parents find it, find it difficult to switch off their phone. There's a constant awareness and concern about some sort of medical crisis that could happen at any minute. So, yes, that's a, that's a very real challenge that, that parents may be living with. You at BodyWise, you run brilliant pro, uh, programmes, uh, but what other supports are available when people do reach out to get help? Yes, yeah, so apart from the family programme pillar, so there's also our helpline service, which is 012107906. People can also access support by email, which is alex at bodywise.ie. That's been in place since 2005. And then also we have two online groups, one for... 13 to 18 year olds and then one for adults and more broadly than that I suppose it's, it's as well trying to encourage the person to, to get things moving kind of with the GP conversation and then looking at maybe further referral assessment from there to, to ultimately get on the road to recovery which really takes quite a long period of time. But is possible? Yeah certainly and it's, it's usually subjective and you know recovery is not linear and you can't kind of put a gun to someone's head and, and make them recover and we would we would also say you know recovery is not a lack of symptoms it's, it's not that simple so if the symptoms improve that's not automatically a recovery there has to be a real quality of life piece to it as well yeah and you 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 reference the gp is the G, the gp is your first port of call is it Yes, certainly, and he can, he or she can link in then with, say, either a specialist team where those are available or child and adolescent mental health services or the, the adult equivalent too. Yeah, because that mother that I referenced in Anne Murphy's piece in the Examiner yesterday, you know, her her 16-year-old is undiagnosed. Are there a lot of people undiagnosed? I think it could be either that they're they're in that period where the, the referral has been made, but maybe they haven't had an eating disorder-specific assessment, or else it's that they haven't yet reached out for, for formal support because an eating disorder is quite a, a secretive illness that, that carries a lot of guilt, guilt and shame for people. 
And let us not forget, and it isn't something I think that's often spoken about, but people die from eating disorders. Yeah, very sadly, there there have been cases of that. So the, the, the increased risk of mortality, partly as a physical consequence. So, for example, damage to a person's heart would be one issue. And then, sadly, as well, we know there can be increased risk of, of suicide too. Shocking. It really is shocking. You mentioned you your pillar programme and I was I saw yesterday online at the end of the month you it, this is an online programme, isn't it, that people can register for? We've been running for eight years, so pre COVID it, it was travelling around to different counties in, in Ireland, but obviously since March twenty twenty it, it's been fully online and that's that's really grown significantly in, in the past years, both in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. And the pillar program is for who exactly? Who's primarily it aimed at? So it's it's primarily aimed at family. So it could be parents, but it equally, you know, we've had aunts or uncles or grandparents or siblings or even if you're a friend or if you're if you're a housemate of someone trying to better understand an eating disorder situation, you can sign up as well. And it's it's a free four week program coming up now on the twenty fourth of March. Okay, and it runs in the evening time from, I think it's two hours a week, isn't it? That's it, yeah. That's it, yeah. It's, it's a great programme. Uh, well done. And uh, people can uh, contact Bodywise at bodywise.ie. And of course, it's Bodywise as in Y. W-H-Y-S Bodywise.ie uh, Barry, thank you uh, for joining us and, and you do amazing work at, at uh, Bodywise. Actually, just before I go, I did see on the paper today that the government has said that funding for a new eating disorder service will be ring-fenced with the Minister saying that it should improve uh, access to inpatient eating disorder services. That's badly needed, isn't it? Certainly, yeah. And I mean, HSE put out their own statistics on Monday showing, you know, twice as many people acquired inpatient services compared to 2020. So that's not surprising. And the, the announcements yesterday of an additional one, mil- 1 million with the bulk of that going towards beds, beds and inpatients is, is definitely needed and welcome. OK, and hopefully we'll help people going forward. Barry, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you, Barry Murphy there. Who? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...is the research and policy officer with BodyWise, the national voluntary organisation that supports people affected by eating disorders. And this is Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. If you are a holder of a J1 visa or somebody in your house has a J1 visa, then my next guest may just have the job for you or them. Dave McSweeney is a native of Mill Street and he joins me from McSweeney's Irish pub in Indian Lake, which is in New York State. Good morning to you, Dave. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very early in the morning, is it for you? Good morning, Patricia. Yes, it's uh, 6.30 in the morning. OK, so you got up nice and early. Or maybe you're always up early, are you? I'm a, I'm a morning person. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I hear you every morning. Uh, well, listen, that made me smile when I realised you, you're listening to us online in your bar and uh, hotel. Correct. <laughs> yeah. what, what do the Americans make of all of the news? Oh my God, they get they get the biggest kick out of it, and they just they're just like their mouths drop. They, they don't believe it. Said, How are you getting that? I said I've been getting it for years. I've been listening to one or three, and my mother used to listen to it. God rest her. And uh, you brought a, you brought a, it with you to America, and I hope. I hope everybody appreciates what you do. You're, uh, you're, you're very, to listen to it. You're very kind. Now, firstly, tell me a little bit about McSweeney's Irish Pub, and it is more than a pub. It's more than a pub. It's a motel and pub restaurant, and then we got uh, outdoor camps out back, uh, one-bedroom camps, and it's uh, multi-seasonable. It's uh, summer for uh, hikers and. There's so much activity up here, it's unbelievable. And then in the wintertime, we have snowmobiles and ice fishing and hunting. And we're upstate, we're about uh, two and a half hours, three hours from New York City. So we're not in New York City. So if anybody thinks we're in New York City, we're in the boonies. Would you describe it as very rural? rural very rural. Yeah. Actually, there's a town not far from here. They call it Minerva, and um, they call it Irish Town. And back in the 1800s, uh, the Irish people starved and famine. There was a famine there and a plague. Wow. So there's a lot of Irish history up here. And how did you end up to owning and running an Irish pub and motel? I uh, lived in Boston for, uh, oh, God, 30 years. And then I moved up to uh, a place called Schoharie. I opened a hotel restaurant there, and on the eve of my grand opening, Hurricane Irene came and put five foot of water in my whole building <sighs> and wiped me out. I moved from there, and I opened a couple more bars, and then my youngest boy, who's, I hope he keeps me in his prayers, he's in Iraq right now, Colin McSweeney, um, 
he went in last January, and I said, well, he's going in for four years. i got to do something for four years. And I came up to Indian Lake, which I've been coming up for years, and I purchased the pub and opened it last June. Oh, so it's re- it's, it's relatively new new to you. And when you were in Boston for 30 years, that wasn't in bar work, though? No, construction. I worked for the city of Boston. I did construction there for years. I went out there in 1981 to my aunt, Julia. She's also from Mill Street, Kilhula Moore, Mill Street. And did you always... Two miles outside the town. Two miles outside. And had you always a hankering to go into hospitality? Yes, I had an Irish bakery down in uh, South Boston. And again, it was... Um, you're depending on uh, ego employees, uh, chefs and cooks and... Uh, Everybody thinks they're better than the next, and when you're at this game, it's a tough game. It's, uh, you know, it's, I hear you guys there. You had somebody from Clonakilty last week there, and uh, I, I pity them getting help to uh, for the hospitality right now. It's, it's, it's a real tough business, and people don't understand the time and the effort and the work that goes into it. It's, it's in hours, hours and unseen hours. Yeah, it's a it's a massive issue over here at the moment, particularly since the uh, pandemic. So, how many workers are you looking for for the summer season, Dave? Probably eight to ten. Oh, okay. With or without no. experience? With or without experience, uh, it, it's a we have a very simple uh, operation. Um, it's just pub grub. It's not fancy food. It's a beautiful restaurant across the street, Indian Lake Restaurant. Uh, we just do pub grub, burgers, uh, shepherd's pies, fish and chips, and uh, mostly it's, you cannot get in the door here. It's been unbelievable. It's been phenomenal, and the people have been so supportive. It's, they're so happy that somebody came and made this old building. It was in the, the previous owner's family since 1947. And they had had enough and decided to move on. Uh, he he's deceased. He passed away. Ah. His wife just said she had enough, and they were they were getting up there, and they get burned out. We all get burned out. Yeah, I get burned yeah. out sometimes. You know what I mean? it, 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 it's it's as you know well. It's a, it's a it's a project, and you're dealing with the public. You know, somebody said the meal is good, and somebody says it's cold. The other one says it's too hot. It's like <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's like Goldilocks sometimes. You yeah, know? my my mother used to say, "There's now so queer as folk," and that's. That, yeah. that Let me ask you, and I've been meaning to look you up. Is that do I detect a Galway accent? No, Tipperary, no. Clonmel. Tip- Oh, Clonmel. Clonmel. Okay. Yeah, but over yeah. 30 years in Cork, I go, I, whenever I go back to Clonmel, I have people saying, you have some Cork accent. So I think... <laughs> so it's, so it's, well, it's funny you said that, because my aunt, when I came out in 1981, my aunt Julia, she was the oldest one on my father's side, uh, somebody said to her one time, she, they go, uh, Julia, you've been in America 60 years, and you never lost your accent. You can lose it if you want it, she said. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got you've got an American twang, but I can still hear your North Cork accent. I can still hear your Mill Street accent. So you've obviously, oh, you yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I would have met you on the street in America and would have known you were of Irish heritage for sure. And yet, you have a very strong American accent as well. But your Irish accent is is still there. And you're right; it's up to you. You lose it if you want to lose it. You, you're absolutely. You can hang on to it if if you want to. Yeah. Well, it's funny when you call there. I, you know that. 
Aoife Grace there, she won my 4K, so I don't know, I thought I was the 103 caller. <laughs> you are listening. I have, you... tri- I have to make a trip to you in the Shannon and collect my money. Yeah, you're allowed to, or maybe Aoife might get in the plane and go visit you in, in Indian Lake. Tell me about, just, d- but describing, describing Indian Lake to me population-wise and, you know, what's the, you know, what's, what gives employment uh, the there? Population, uh, population fluctuates in the summertime because we've got a lot of campers and out-of-staters. Um, it's it's a real small town, and it is. There's a lot of elderly here. I mean, people. We're having a birthday party next uh, next month, April, early April. Uh, we had one last year for her because of COVID. She didn't have a hundred, but she's going to be 102. There's another guy at a hundred year old birthday party. There's a lot of old people up here. I, I, it's unbelievable. Uh, Father Allen, he's my local priest here. He comes in every morning for coffee. He's 88. He walks. He walks six miles every morning, and uh, just uh, they're just. But as the town itself, it's just a small town. It's probably half the size of Mill Street, and the closest uh, grocery store is 34 miles round trip. Oh. So, no, it's it's so beautiful up here. It's, yeah. there's so much to do. We got the Great Escape. We got a Gore Mountain for skiing. We got uh, the railroad tracks that you can pedal the cars on the railroad tracks. We got whitewater rafting. It's you've you know, got a you've got nature, a lake. Nature as its finest. You you, know, you've got a lake. Yo, we got <laughs> lakes. We got probably fifty lakes around here. We got Indian Lake. We got oh my god, we got a lot of lakes. It's, it's all lakes. I was I, when I knew you were coming on today. I, I did some googling last night. I mean, it looks stunning. I mean, it really does look stunning. And I'm assuming because of weather conditions, you're under snow at the moment. But in the summer, when the students would go out on their J one, you get great weather in the summer. Oh my goodness! Yeah, great weather. Uh, it's not as warm as the cities we get because we're in between the mountains. It's like 15 degrees, maybe 10 degrees colder up here in the summertime which is real nice you don't have to use as much air conditioning but uh, knowing Irish people we don't like the heat anyway we don't that's like it yeah but, but you don't get the rain that we that we get here here at, at home ok so um, have you employed J1 visa holders before? I have not I no. dealt with them when I was in Boston a lot of them came out to play uh, Gaelic football I used to be involved with the football and hurling down there and cock hurling and um, I dealt with them uh, I have not. Uh, there's a guy down there. Actually, he's a priest from Kentuck, uh, Father Dan Finn. Uh, I used to deal with him, and I used to put him up and get him apartments and get him bedding and clothing. And But right here for 2022, uh, they got beds and they got free place to stay. And uh, That's the big advantage. You know. you've, you're throwing in the accommodation, the accommodation. But I saw on your email message to us that you... Don't need anyone with mom or dad's credit cards. Correct. What do you mean by that? Well, I had an incident, uh, oh my God, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. It wasn't an incident. It was a young kid. Actually, he came from Mill Street. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he came and he went to go to work. And after the second week, he says, oh, I'm heading to Cape Cod. I said, Cape Cod. I said, that's expensive. And he went in his pocket. He said, I got mom's or dad's credit card. I go, what? Is that how it operates? So he left me high and dry and off he went. 
All right, you, for two weeks. I understand now. You want genuine workers, people who go out work. Yes, they will get time off. I, I also want them to have a good time. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, of course, of course. That's all part of the J one as well. Correct, correct. I, I mean, they want to get earn some money for college and move on in life, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity for people who are keen to uh, explore the United States and. Uh, the door is open. Great opportunity. And your own son, Dave, is in Iraq. That's a big... My son, Colin, is in Iraq. And my yeah. oldest boy, David, was in Afghanistan. He's a Boston firefighter now, married with two kids. And my daughter is going to be a nurse, Annabelle. I yeah. got three kids. Yeah, you and, and how is Colin getting on? Colin is getting on good. He finds it hard talking to Dad on the phone. He gets homesick and it's... Oh, bless. Yes, it's... it's Tough it now what we got going on with uh, Russia and uh, Ukraine. Glory to be, you know, Ukraine. That guy yesterday. Glory be. Uh, it, it's tough. It's 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 mind-boggling how crazy these people are. What a crazy world! Crazy you know, world we live in. Back to the 1940s, for Christ's sake. It's, I know. It's, I know. It's, you know. Okay. When it's, we it's do, you still have family in Mill Street, Dave? Yes, I do. I have a brother there. He has a farm, and I got nephews and nieces in Ballydaly, and I got cousins down in Dunin and Mill Street and Cullen, and uh, yeah, I got family in Kinsale, and I got family in Macoon. Okay, and when were you last? And I got a when, brother out in Dunamore. When were you last home? Oh God, that's a good one. I my mother passed away, and my father died in two thousand. My mother died the following year, two thousand one. Uh, I think I went back once for one wedding, and that was it. Ah. When the queen when the queen departs, it's tough to go back. And it, yeah, and I've heard more people say that when it's like the soul is taken out of the fam, fam, family home because home now, especially with your own children, home now is the states. Correct. Well, yes. Well, Ireland is still home. It will always be home. Yeah. It was funny because uh, there's a chemist in Mill Street there, a good friend of mine, uh, Frank Green. And Reen's chemist, my yeah. mother, he, he said to me, he goes, uh, I won't see you anymore. You won't be coming back here. I thought he was crazy. And when I went back to the United States, when I went back to Boston, when they sunk in, the, you know, they were gone. It was, it was like, yeah, he was right, you know. But so, but you will come happen. You will come back again. Oh, yes. You will. I'll bring you back will. my grandkids. And, you absolutely yes, will. I'll, I mean, you guys at that your radio, I tell you, you might think I'm nuts, but I don't watch TV. I listen to 103. <laughs> That's all. I don't I'm not that. kidding you. I won't I, watch the news because there's too much, there's too much propaganda. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I just don't watch it. I know, you know? It's, it can be hard at times. Somebody said, who's that man from Mill Street on the radio at the moment? His name is Dave McSweeney. And another, and Mary says, hi Patricia, I love Dave's combination of accents, Boston and Mill Street. I can hear them both uh, coming out. And somebody said, what's the email address for that job uh, in, uh, that that gentleman is talking about? Okay, so it's, it's email is the best way to contact you, isn't it? Bailey McSweeney at gmail.com Yes, that would be the uh, the number you call there is the hotel yeah. or the restaurant and it's Yeah, but but Yeah, they're better off emailing and Email is the best way, yeah and, uh, Bailey yeah. McSweeney one at gmail.com It's been a real pleasure chatting to you, Dave We'll keep in contact with you and now, now we know we have a contact in Indian Lake in New York State If anything ever happens there you can be our reporter on the ground well, I, just before you go, Patricia, um, a week from Saturday, we have Irish Roll Bowl. 
Sorry, say that again. A, a week? week from Saturday, we have Irish road bowling, <laughs> and about three or four hundred people show up for it. It's, it's a four-man team. It's 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 like a St. Patrick's Day celebration, and it's been going on for years up here. It's unbelievable. The people that come out, they come from all different states, and they and they're bowling in the, the snow, and <laughs> the streets are clear, but and the roads are clear. But yeah, they do Irish bowling. And do you do you are you a road bowler? I threw road balls, but I, I'm not a road bowler. But I think I could win this easy because they're easy pickings. Because you know? <laughs> it is it it, it 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 is played around Mill Street, isn't it? Oh yes, it used to be. Yeah, yeah, Mill Street. I I think more West Cork. I think down in the, yeah, it's a huge. Like, it's, and then can feel yeah. that direction more. And, and then up the north, I think. Well, they they have a team down in Boston and stuff. So a lot of them play, and there's a couple of guys in Kinsale there, that Belgooley or somewhere there. That, they, they they go to the All Island. I, there's another guy there, uh, Connie Callan. I guess he's from uh, where the heck is Connie? Old by McComb somewhere, and I think they won All Island medals for Boston. Yeah, and so you're thinking of taking oh, yeah. it up, are you? I'm well. I'm I'm pushing on sixty now. I'd be fifty nine in August. I don't think I'd be taking it up now. You're a young man. Get out there and start start <laughs> start throwing the bowels. Uh, Anne in Ballantempa says, Patricia, absolutely lovely to hear Dave uh, speaking from uh, America. And I love Anne in Ballantempa says, I love the fact that he's been listening to C103 for years. Um, and it's uh, great to have him listening to you. Are ch- are you chatting him on the programme. Is that them all shouting in the background? This is Father Alan. This is just coming oh, it's, in. It's a, say hi to Father Alan for us. Do you want to say hi to Father <laughs> Alan? Oh, very, Hold on. Okay, Father Alan, this is 103. Patricia, hold on. And this is Father, Father Alan. Alan. Don't know where the, Good morning. Good morning, Father Alan. Happy Ash Wednesday to you. Uh, thank you very much. And how, have you Irish connections, Father Alan? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I went over with my sisters, my two sisters, uh, to uh, investigate those uh, those families. Yep. And you have Irish roots, you do? Yes, I do. Okay. And what's your surname? Alan. Yeah, Father. Oh, oh, Alan. Oh, Philip. I'm I'm Philip Allen. Yeah. Oh, Philip Allen. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right, Allen. Yeah. We'll t- we'll take you as one of our own. All right, Father Allen. Listen, thank you for that, and uh, thanks uh, to, uh, to our thanks today for joining us on the program this morning. I, I, I'm glad to speak to you this I, morning. I, and enjoy your coffee. I know you're in every morning with Dave for coffee, so enjoy your coffees. God bless. All, all right, Patricia. I appreciate that. Thanks the, uh, a million, Dave. Look after yourself and get, make uh, Father Allen his coffee there. All right, God bless. God bless. Thank we'll talk so again. Bye bye. Bye bye. What a lovely man that is, Dave Maxweeney, native of Mill Street, living in Indian Lake in New York State. If you Google Indian Lake, it does look like a really, really beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Anyone on the J1? There is an opportunity for work this summer with uh, Dave. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay.
Phone and text lines are currently closed. Actually, I just spotted this came in at the very end of my chat with Dave McSweeney in America, originally from Mill Street. Our own ID Buckley contacted us to say she remembers the day that Dave McSweeney, who I was chatting to, was born. They were next door neighbours in Mill Street. Isn't that lovely? Now, I know Dave listens to us and he had the radio on in the background with Father Allen coming in for his morning coffee. So, Dave, just to let you know that your neighbour, Eileen Buckley, in Mill Street is sending on best wishes to you and she fondly remembers the day that you were born. Thank you for that, Eile, and we hope that you are keeping well. Now, I want to go back to the issue that we got a lot of commentary in about this morning, and this was my chat with Councillor Seamus McGrath, talking about how how it's discrimination. He calls it discrimination, uh, the fact that if a motorist decides to pay their... M- their road tax monthly or six monthly they'll pay more than if they can afford to pay it just once a year and the road tax then covered for the 12 months and then that has led to people talking about another area where there's discrimination going on and that is to do with older cars anyone who bought a car pre-2008 ends up paying higher road tax because of the system that was brought in about emissions of cars that were manufactured after 2008. And there's a lot of people who've got cars on the road, absolutely nothing wrong with them. They sail past NCT every year. And because they're pre-2008, they have to get NCT done every year. So there's a cost involved in that. And then it's kind of galling when they go to pay their road tax, how much more they are paying. Dave in David in Dunmanwe has contacted us with his own personal example of this. Good afternoon to you, David. Good afternoon, Patricia. Good to talk to you again. And good to talk to you. Now, you've got a very clear example of how the older cars are, and people are using the words discriminated against, and it does feel like that when it comes to road tax. Tell us your story. Well, we came over here five years ago. We were living in the UK, and we brought our two Honda hybrid cars with us. One is a 2007 Honda Civic hybrid. The other is a 2010 Honda Insight hybrid. Now, They've identical engines, small fuel-efficient 1339 engine, uh, petrol engines, and they have electric motors and batteries. So they're, they're, they're the first-generation hybrid cars, and they do about, uh, in old money, 55 miles to the gallon. That's 4.27 litres per 100 kilometres in new money. Um, so they're fuel-efficient, low-emission cars. Um, our 2007 Honda Civic is has 106 GSM emissions, and the road tax on that is 385 a year. Our Insight, uh, 2010 Honda Insight, has 102 grams emissions, and the road tax on that is 190 a year. So over the five years we've been here, Patricia, we've paid €950 more road tax on the Honda Civic than we have on the Insight. Now, it would have been cheaper for me during that time to be driving a dirty diesel Mercedes 250D, which would have been about 220 euro tax. And diesel is cheaper than petrol. It's the only mm. country in the EU where diesel is cheaper than petrol. So, you know, I kind of have to scratch my head and ask, you know, how much worse would it be if we didn't have Green Minister for Transport? Yeah, a lot of people will question having a green uh, minister for transport. But your, I mean, your example is so clear. Of course, it's almost your two thousand and seven car is almost double what you pay on the two thousand and ten. And you know, as you say, they're both fuel efficient. They're both low emissions. So it's it's not making any sense, particularly on a hybrid car. Yeah, I, I think it's part of the finance. 
See, uh, I think it's, 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 it's the kind of a problem with Irish politicians. They're addicted to tax, and once they introduce something, they can't let go of it. So, you know, you have temporary university social charge, which is a tax on tax, and still there. You have a temporary insurance levy that's still there after 37 years. Yeah. You know, you have city taxes, like on cards, debit cards, and so on, and checks. In a country where you would think the public interest get more people to open bank accounts. But what they do is they tax you, they tax banking, so a lot of people avoid bank accounts. Cost the business pay €1.60 for every check they write. You know, so people don't write checks. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm involved with um, the Irish food, you know, what's on the West Cork website. And we're dealing with small businesses and businesses that have been very badly hit the past two years. And they all say staffing, staffing, staffing. We can't get staff. And one of the reasons in country areas is cost transport and the impracticality of using public transport. And, you know, everything of the cost of motoring, you know, we, we have we have that and cars at 3%. We have VRT and cars, which, you know, is probably an illegal tax. It replaced the stamp duty from 7 to 37%. We have 3% stamp duty which is on insurance policies for cars, which was originally to fund PMPA compensation. Yeah. You know, yeah. Most people paying that wouldn't even know what PMPA is. You know, it's so far back. And then you have a 3% insurance levy on top. So we're finding that for country businesses, um, pubs, uh, restaurants, the hospitality industry... They can't get staff, and one of the main reasons they can't get staff is it's quite simply not worth the staff's while to travel. It's just too expensive. You know, you could, you know, you could use use about forty euros a day just going to and from work. You know, yeah, and don't get us started on the amount of tax we pay on every litre of fuel, be it petrol yeah, or, yeah. So, or, or diesel, and a car well, in well, a rural area, Dave, is not a luxury. No, no, and I've seen. You know, we're we're missing every green target by an Irish mile, you know? And it just seems to me wrong that a hybrid car, one hybrid car pays more than twice the amount of road tax of another hybrid car. Both of them got the same engines. Both of them, you know, there's very, very little difference in the emissions. They're both fuel efficient. And, you know, where is the sense in that? You know, it's, it's, it's obviously nonsensical. It would have been when, when they brought in the new um, road tax based on emissions, and say, okay, everybody moves over to a new system. But effectively, they're trying to encourage people to turn and change their cars on the basis that new cars are better. Well, the new cars are expensive, as we know in Ireland, and they're imports, and they affect the balance of trade, and it's not very green throwing out cars. N- not throwing out a car that's... People to do. Yeah, and a car that's still working. I mean, that's the, the green model yeah, will tell you, you keep using or driving or using any electrical item once it's still in use, keep using it. Yeah, and we, we get our car service every year. We, we found um, Hurley's and Skibbery do a great old job for us on our Hondas. And uh, they're like new, you know. We spend whatever money we need to get them ready for the NCT, which is 55 euros. Another charge, yeah, every year. to 43 pounds in the UK. You know, driving license here is 55, uh, 37, 18 in the UK. So whatever way you look on insurance with two levies, on VRT, on petrol, on road tax, um, on VAT, 
everything is more expensive in Ireland. And, you know, the bottom line is, effectively, they're taxing employment because it makes it more expensive for people to have jobs, to travel to jobs, and it means that people are looking for higher wages to compensate. So, you know, the, the macroeconomic effect is it's a tax on employment and it's a tax on the mom-and-pop businesses like we have in West Cork, the small businesses, the stallholders, the restaurants, the hotels. It's not a tax on the multinationals who, you know, have got every tax break going. Um, even even their chief executives don't pay Irish income tax, yeah. as we found out, you know. OK, so, all right. You make, you're making a lot of sense, a lot of sense, and a, and a lot of people uh, certainly agreeing with you, uh, for sure. We unfortunately won't change the situation here much as we would like to. But in the meantime, Dave, we appreciate your call to the programme. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Okay, for sure. Uh, good afternoon Bye. to you. Bye bye. And a texter says our car is 2009, so it's after the 2008 rules came in, and we're still paying high tax 400 euro on road uh, tax. Uh, we've had it since it was a two-year-old car. We're old-age pensioners. It's an awful lot of money to have to pay out every year. And if we opt to do the three months, it will cost us more, which is what we've been discussing uh, this morning as well. Uh, thank you for that to 0862103103. I can see some questions coming in for Peter Dowd. I'll keep those coming, please, because Peter will be joining us answering all of your gardening questions uh, in a moment. But I want to get to a text that came in early this morning I just haven't had time to uh, address it. And this is from uh, a listener saying, no, he, the person by text is listening to Hugh Coveney. He means listening to Simon Coveney. Hugh was, um, Lord to mercy, was Simon's dad. Listening to Simon Coveney last night on the news saying that we here in Ireland may be asked uh, to uh, take refugees from the Ukraine. Uh, this texter says, I am ready. I will be willing to take a family of six well, not a very generous offer if and when the time uh, comes. What we are doing and uh, we're going to feature tomorrow on the programme, we will be speaking with a Ukrainian group have set up here in Cork and what they're doing is they're putting out the call to anyone that may have like this person, a family of six, they obviously have a couple of bedrooms free. And I know yesterday we had some calls in from people saying I have a double room free. Someone else is saying I have a double room and I, I could put a single bed into another room, could take a family of three. You know, there were people saying they would be willing to take these refugees when they when they arrive. And it's not when, it's it's if, or if it's not if, it, it is going to be when they arrive because it is looking like uh, we will be taking refugees in this country. And uh, so there's this Ukrainian group have set up here in Cork and they're trying to sort of do up a database and try to get a list of people that are willing to take some of these. And they're war refugees. They'll stay, God knows how long they will be staying with you, but they will be with you for a period of time. And people are being extremely generous and saying, yes, I certainly want to help out. And I know that the government officials are looking at a range of options as to how refugees may be accommodated. And one well-placed source within the government is saying that hotels would be an obvious uh, choice because, you know, while we will have Irish families who will open up their homes and their hearts to people and will house people. There won't be enough for all of the refugees if a huge number, if we end up having to take a huge number. The Foreign Affairs Minister, Simon Coveney, uh, said, accepted that some families will open up to refugees. But he's already, early indications are that we could be taking up to 20,000 people could end up needing shelter in this country. The Department of the Taoiseach put together a group of officials. Now, there's a number of departments involved, including the Department 
development of children. The Justice Department is involved, social protection is involved, health obviously will all have to be involved in the response to Ukrainian uh, crisis. Refugees will be accommodated here on arrival on a short term basis and then long term accommodation can also be put in place uh, later on. The Taunishta, Leo Varadkar, revealed there are now four Irish babies who have been born to surrogate mothers for Irish couples they're currently in a maternity hospital in Kiev, and the thought of those little babies in the middle of what is looking like is going to become the epicentre for the Russians, the way they're trying to surround uh, Kiev. It's just those poor, the Irish families, what they must be going through. There are up to 80 Irish citizens currently living in Ukraine that includes those uh, four babies and the government insists it needs to keep all of the lines of communication open with uh, Russia and that's one of the reasons why they're not rushing to expel the Russian ambassador. Irish couples having babies through surrogacy in Ukraine have urged the government also not to expel the Russian ambassador Yuri Filatov. Now I know other people are saying he should be booted out and he should be kicked out but I mean the surrogate families are saying please don't kick him out in the event that the government will need to call on Russia's assistance to evacuate the Irish babies. I mean, if they take over control of Ukraine, it's not the Ukrainian ambassador, then the Irish government will have to go to it. It'll have to be the Russian ambassador. So I can see all the diplomacy and trying to... It's like walking on eggshells, uh, really, at the moment. The European Union is expecting to put in place a temporary protection directive. And that will mean that European people can move through the EU and they'll be able to move as if they are EU uh, citizens. Those with family connections, obviously, will want to live with family, friends and uh, relatives. But there will be refugees who will arrive in this country who won't have any accommodation. So hotels, they're saying, could be an obvious obvious choice initially anyway and under the EU directive Ukrainians will be able to stay for at least a year and that could be extended for up to three years they'll be able to work they'll be able to study and they won't go into the direct provision system and it's expected Ireland will know exactly how many refugees as a country will be expected to accommodate after the Justice and Home Affairs meeting that takes place at EU level tomorrow. It's understood the initial figure will be 6,000 and that was according to a briefing from the Cabinet uh, Ministers what they received yesterday but it is also widely accepted and if you look at any war uh, situations where refugees are forced to leave the majority of the refugees will want to return to Ukraine as quickly as possible when this war is over and I know it's one of the reasons that the tens of thousands of refugees that have poured over the border into places like Poland or across the border into Romania all want to stay, to try to stay as close to the border as they can because they just want this war to end and they want to go home. It would be like, God forbid, if somebody invaded our country here and we were forced to send you know, the women and the children, we would be forced to leave and leave the men behind to fight. I mean, even the thought of that and we were sent to wherever it was, a neighbouring country or further afield, your your whole intention would be to get back as quickly as possible and it would be the very same with the uh, Ukrainians. So for those who have been contacting saying, yes, well, I've got a spare bed, I'd, I'd love to help out in any way I can. We hopefully will have more information for those people tomorrow on the programme and we'll speak with that Ukrainian gr- group who are trying to now 
build up some kind of a database of houses and who's got what and who can accommodate what and in what area. So we'll do that tomorrow. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And I'm Cara. They are hosting a meeting tonight, 7.15, in the Clayton Silver Springs Hotel. And Annam Cara is a bereavement group for all bereaved parents, no matter what age your child were, was or how long ago you lost your child. And a scrap metal collection is taking place in McCroom. It's fundraising for McCroom senior citizens. It's been held today and tomorrow at 10am to 3pm each day in the McCroom Mart. Donations, please, of metal, batteries, old cars, all very welcome. No electrical items and collection can also be arranged by contacting Pat on 087 266 2192. And Ballinhasic Community Development will hold a social dance in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. That's this Friday night, dancing from half nine to half twelve to Michelle Murphy's two-piece band. Admission ten euro does include teas. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. I have to say, when I was listening to the news this morning, I was thrilled to hear that the early intervention A. SD class in Britain National School will not now be closing. After the National Council for Special Education met with the school this week, the decision has been uh, the decision was made a few weeks ago but this uh, important support now that decision to close it has been reversed. Joining me is the principal of Kilbritton National School and that is Karen O'Donovan. Good afternoon to you Karen. Good afternoon Patricia. I take it this comes as huge relief to you guys. We're absolutely delighted and definitely very relieved as well. We really are. What was your initial reaction when you heard that the class was to close? Was was it one of complete disbelief? I suppose we had, um, it had been mentioned to us last year. So while it was a great shock, um, I thought we had done enough to show need in our community. And I had expected it to be overturned at an earlier stage. So when we got the official confirmation that they were definitely going ahead with the with the closure, it, def- it was one of shock, yes. Does it appear that there's a policy to phase out these early intervention classes? Um, certainly that appears to be the case, but um, I think they're waiting for an AIMS report to be published. Um, that hasn't been confirmed and uh, obviously the decision to overturn our class has gone ahead. So we're delighted with that, but it's definitely a worry for the future. And without a facility like this in Kilbritton for the local children, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative, I suppose, was that they would attend their local uh, mainstream preschool class with an AIMS support worker. And that can be very successful for some children, but obviously for children with complex needs, that can prove to be a very challenging setting. And your class, is it always full? It is, yeah, it is always full. Um, there are only six places in the early intervention class. We also have other special classes attached to our mainstream school with six children in each. And, you know, uh, usually, especially for the, the primary mainstream, we would always have a, a long waiting list and we would be oversubscribed for those. Um, but also the preschool would be, would be full, yes. Yeah, and I mean, you've already, are, you already know the children that are enrolled and ready to go in next September. I know I spoke with one of the mothers. I mean, it's just heartbreaking to somebody who felt, oh, I know where my child is going in September to suddenly be told, well, actually, no, they're not going there anymore. 
Yeah, it's, it is heartbreaking for parents and they just have to fight at every turn. And I mean, you know, I suppose as a parent myself, you know, I've always known that my child can just go to preschool and then on to primary and then potentially on to secondary school, etc. You don't have to overthink all of these stages in their life. But for parents with children with complex needs, um, you know, they just have an awful lot going on from the moment their child is diagnosed and they appear to have to fight at every turn for speech and language and for services and potentially for respite and then for school places it it is heartbreaking So it was you guys at the school did the fighting was it? Did you you have to go to the National Council for Special Education and put forward your case as to why this class should remain open? Well, initially, I suppose we put in an appeal to have the decision overturned, but then we did have to turn uh, to to other uh, people in the community. So we had huge help from our local representatives, from Michael Collins, from Holly Kearns, from Tim Lumbard, Christopher O'Sullivan. Obviously, the media, our local media, had a huge impact. Um, But I think it was really the parent's voice, the voice Mm -hmm. of of the parent maybe that you had on your your show initially. And they were so brave to come out and speak about their own personal personal situation and I think it really made it very clear to your listeners you know how important these classes are and how essential they are for parents and for children um, in the community and all we're trying to do you know in our school I suppose is to provide an inclusive and equal education for all children that we can um, so while while the school did a certain amount it was uh, you know the, the public representatives the parents and the media were instrumental in, in having this decision over time. Well, you're doing amazing work at at uh, Kilbert National School because you are so inclusive you you really are a shining Thank example you. to the way national schools should operate your first week Thank back so after midterm without the masks is it making Absolutely. A, is it a big difference do you know we had a wonderful mass our first school mass in two years this morning for Ash oh. Wednesday and uh, be able to hear the children singing again for us all to be together in one room it really was amazing so the masks are making a difference I suppose a a lot of our staff members are still wearing them but the the children themselves have been delighted to see our faces we're delighted to see their faces again and there's just a a really positive feeling going forward uh, that hopefully we're coming to the end of of the restrictions Please God Please God Listen uh, Karen uh, once again well done to everybody involved huge relief for the parents and for, and for the children and it's good to have a good news story on a Wednesday thank you for that and thanks for joining us thank you so much for all your support thank good you good morning dear. bye bye Karen O'Donovan there uh, that she is the principal of what is an incredible school Kilbritton National School in West Cork 0818103103 we're looking for your gardening questions uh, please because Peter Dowdle is about to uh, join us you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. After a glorious day yesterday when you could have spent your whole day in the garden we have a bit of rain uh, today. Peter Dowdell, the Irish Gardener.com, uh, joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Minus two yesterday when I got into the car to bring the girls to school and plus eight today. So a change of 10 degrees in one day. It really is a, a, a all seasons at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and but it was beautiful yesterday when the frost went away. I know it didn't warm up very much, but I mean, it was just a lovely spring day. Oh, it was lovely. And just to see the sunshine, it's hopefully a portent of what's to come. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get straight into uh, questions. Question for Peter, please. I want to trim back a wild Californian lilac. When is the best time and how far can I go? But the, the Californian lilac, also known as Cianopus, is a beautiful blue flowering plant. But I, I, I imagine when the, the caller says it's wild, they don't mean, mean a wild variety. I think they mean a plant that's just gone a bit unkempt. I'm guessing anyway that that's what they mean. Um, they're an evergreen plant and they don't unfortunately respond particularly well to being pruned, uh, certainly not to be pruned hard. So... It really, the, the, now isn't the time to do it because you will lose whatever flowers are going to come on it if you do it now. Uh, I would do it directly after flowering, which will probably bring you in towards midsummer um, and maybe even a bit later. But don't prune it back hard. It's going to be a gradual process. You, 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 you constantly need to, to leave green below where you're cutting. And what happens with the the Cianotus or the Californian lilac is it can get quite woody in the centre with a lot of green towards the outside. So definitely don't cut into that brown wood. You need to leave quite a lot of greenery below where you cut. Once you cut it, what you'll do is you'll force a bit of the brown wood to become green, if you like, and then you could cut it back again maybe a few weeks or a few months later. And this could take a few years, I'm afraid. <laughs> Patience is always the, the, the name of the game in gardening. So it might take a, a while to get it back to what you wanted, but don't be encouraged to, to cut it back hard. It'll simply die on you. Okay, another listener says, why do aphids attack my lupins every year? Because they like them. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to, to sound so uh, facetious about it, but yeah, they, they just like lupins. And the, the best way to to prevent them, if you like, I suppose, is, and we've mentioned it many times in your program, Trish, is a garlic wash. So you you can make a wash out of garlic, pulp some garlic, Google it for recipes, because there's loads of different ways of doing it. Google the, the recipe to make a garlic wash, spray it onto the lupins, uh, and that will help to it won't kill any aphids and if they've if they've already attacked it might be a bit late but if you do it a few times it will help prevent the, the lupin from being attacked by the aphids in the first place another thing you can get is grazers now grazers is something you buy by as a product if you like um, and it's based on a, a formulation of calcium and there's one for uh, I'm sure it's a cabbage white fly but also is very good and it says it on it it's also very good for aphids so you could, if you prefer, and if you don't want to go into making homemade garlic wash, look for the grazers for, for aphids and cabbage fly. Uh, again, it's working the same principle. You apply it to the plant. The calcium within, number one, it helps the plant, but number two, it, it makes the plant very, very unpalatable to, to, to a lot of these creepy crawlies. Stay with creepy crawlies because Mary says, uh, Hi Peter, we had an invasion of millipedes last year, right throughout the late summer, heading straight for the front door every night. Actually, some of them managed to get into the house. Ugh. How best to prevent this <laughs> from happening this year and how can I get rid of them? Thanking you in advance. Do you know, they're quite a difficult one. They've been around for, if not millennia, certainly centuries. They've been around a long time, so I don't think we're going to win that battle. I remember, in fact, Trish, We'll say more than 15 years ago, though substantially more. I think it was the very first uh, question I had on your program, and it was to do with something with the same problem with millipedes. And I did my homework on it at the time. Um, and I know Jay's fluid was recommended, and it's certainly quite successful if you drench the area around your house with Jay's fluid, particularly the walls, because they can climb up walls and things like that. Uh, it does prevent them. It seems to prevent them. Now, I'm not sure how environmentally sound Jay's fluid is to be using, but I know it does work. Now, the only thing is, of course, with millipedes, they do 
zero damage. So don't worry about them from that point of view. Um, the, 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 I don't have a magic wand in it, I'm afraid. You could try the Jay's Fluid, uh, and I'm afraid just clean them up every time you see them. Mm, there isn't they, a magic wand in that one, I'm afraid. They look almost pre- prehistoric. They do, don't they? Yeah. And they're hard coating and everything. They do. They do. I, I find them quite inoffensive. I don't mind them, but they do look prehistoric. Yeah, you, no. you could imagine seeing them here at the time of the dinosaurs. I just don't like the way they were marching for Mary's front door and some of them getting into the house. No, wouldn't be having that now, for sure. Good luck with that, uh, Mary. While Mary in Dunmanway wants to know, when is the right time to spread lawn gold on the garden? I'm hoping it will sort out the moss. And again, as and this happened last week as well, a lot of people having problems with uh, moss, including Joe, small front lawn, but a big problem with moss. What's the best solution? Someone else, could you ask Peter, how do you how do you sort out moss on my lawn? Okay, start with lawn gold. Will that work to get rid of moss? Well, it, it will work. And I suppose in a way it answers many of those, all of those questions. Don't use it yet. The soil, the soil temperature needs to be, I think it's about 10 degrees. Now, we're probably not far off it. Uh, it needs to be 10 degrees for it to work or else you're wasting your money and your time. Um. So sometime this month, just pay attention to the, to the temperatures. And when we're not hitting kind of under four or five at night time, then you should be safe enough from then on. Um, in answer to the other questions, uh, moss is, you know, an ongoing challenge, for want of a better word. We won't use the word problem in our, in our lawn because we live in a warm and damp climate. The best best way to prevent it is a few things. Number one, if you scarify the lawn the first instance, so let's say during March, scarify it, which is like a big mechanical rake, which where you're you're taking out all the the, 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 the moss, you're physically removing the moss, if you like, and the thatch, which is the build up of of kind of decaying tissue and, and plant growth around the base of the, the, the grass plant on the soil surface. So remove it physically in March, ideally every year by scarifying it. And then stay on top of it. Uh, and the reason I go with long gold and recommend long gold is because it's kind of got a back to basics approach. In that, uh, by using it, you're increasing the pH of the soil, which creates optimum growing conditions for grass. But these are conditions that moss can't get a hold of. Moss can't tolerate limey soil. Moss grows in acidic soil, and a lot of the the products that are marketed for for controlling moss are based on sulfate of iron, which will turn turn the moss black. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I prefer green moss. But it will turn the moss black, but also it will acidify the soil, so it will ensure that you'll have to moss coming back. Whereas the lawn gold, it has calcium in it, and it, it increases the pH of the soil, and therefore, by having strong grass, you'll have less moss. So, long long way of answer, hopefully answering the question, but, but wait till second half of March, I would say, when temperatures increase, you should be okay. Stay with moss. Moss are in gooseberry trees. What to do? nothing to do really it's not doing any harm there at all so I wouldn't worry about it uh, it may slow up the kind of gaseous exchange through the stomata on the stem but I wouldn't really be worried about that to be honest or the lenticels rather to be correct about it on the stem but just, if if it's bothering you just rub, the, rub it off but of course you'd have to be careful because the the, the, there could be quite a, quite a few thorns on the gooseberry stems but just rub it off put on a pair of gloves and rub it off with your hand that's all you need to do and an East Cork listener could you ask Peter please what can I use to kill tarmac uh, to, to use on tarmac to kill moss there's a product and to the best of my knowledge it's an Irish one and uh, d- double check that I'm right now when you're in the garden centre because I've used this product before and the product I have used is Irish and it is organic and uh, and to the best of my knowledge, it's one called Algon. 
But double check that I'm right in the garden centre. I have used this, this product. If I could just remember which one it was, I should have taken note. I'm sure it's Algon. Uh, it's Irish, it's organic, and very, very effective. Then when once you have it clean, uh, as I said at the, a minute ago, moss is constant in Ireland because of our climate. So, But once you have it clean, there's nothing, in truth, there's nothing that's going to keep it clean long term. But if you apply then when it is clean, a product called Moscow Probiotic, which is another Irish product, and it's a probiotic, so it's environmentally quite okay. Uh, that will keep it clean for, for about a season, six to 12 months, which is as good as you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's unfortunately to do with our, our climate. A uh, question for Peter, please. What would you recommend? I found vine weevil in all my flower beds. Uh, it's eaten most of the flowers. I've dug them all out and the soil. What else do I need to do? Wool. Move house, move house, move house, put the house in the market. Um, <laughs> it, they're, they're, they're an awful curse of a problem, I'm afraid, vine weevil. And they're, they're, they're the second most common garden problem, according to an RHS survey a couple of years ago. They're the second most common garden pest problem uh, in, in the UK. And I'm guessing the same is true for Ireland uh, after slugs and snails, obviously, being number one. So what they do is they're these little grubs. You'd love them, Trish, because they're little maggoty grubs <laughs> which live under the soil. Um, and they they, they, when they're under the soil as these larvae or these maggots they're munching away on the plant roots so you can't see them and they're doing untold damage and then it's too late really often by the time if you don't know what you're looking for so when you see a plant that's not thriving or it's a bit loose in the soil well these are telltale signs that perhaps you have it or maybe the maybe the soil around it is getting a bit waterlogged because the, the plant roots aren't taking it up properly they're kind of telltale signs that you keep an eye for um when you take it out of the ground then of course depending on how damaged it is it might be too late but you'll see the root system isn't what it should be and then if you go really investigating but that they're nasty little critters because they get right into the center of the root ball so you might take it out of the the, the ground have a, a cursory look and not see anything but then when you start teasing through and pulling all the bits of soil out there enough sure enough you'll see them up at the top of the root system munching away all you can do is remove the plants for now get rid of the soil which you've done uh, there is there are nematode products on the market but a bit similar to the lawn gold um, nematodes are biological control which so you're not introducing any chemicals so they the, you're introducing a a parasitic nematode, which will feed, or I can't remember if it's a parasitic wasp or a parasitic nematode, but it doesn't matter. They'll feed on the grub of the vine weevil uh, and kill it um, in a perfectly organic and environmentally sound way. But again, as I say, similar to the lawn gold, they, 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 the soil temperature needs to be, I think it's plus 10 or 12 degrees before you can apply it. So normally it's between April and August, but they are probably the most effective thing you can put into the soil before you start replanting it. Yeah, because people will find them in sort of containers and it's as bad as it is in a container, at least it's contained. But for this listener to find them in the flower beds in the garden, they could spread all over the garden then, couldn't they? they, they absolutely, and they probably have. And even if they start, often start off in a container, Trish, you're right. It could be in a pot plant. It could be something that came in from a garden centre or not. It could, could have just come in from a bird. But once those grubs develop into adults, then, of course, they go walk about. They're like little black beetles, which you'd see during the summer. Uh, and they go walk about. And, of course, they start laying their eggs all over the garden then, yeah. OK, so get the nematodes. All right, listen, we leave it there. We'll chat to you again next week.
look forward to it. Thanks, Trish. Thanks for that and thanks for joining us. That is Peter Dowdle, the irishgardener.com. Uh, do I have quick time? I do before I go. Just a couple of texts in when we're talking about car and car tax. Uh, Catherine says, Patricia, we have a 05 Honda Civic. The road tax per year, wait for this, €994, Euro, nearly €1,000. Last year, my insurance uh, company uh, refused to renew for comprehensive they said because of the age of the car, we ended up having to move companies. It passes the NCT yearly without a hiccup. Very, very unfair on people who drive older cars. And then Sheila was on to us about her driver's licence. She popped her driving licence in the post on the 7th of February. She enclosed everything correctly filled out. She had to get a medical fitness cert, which she says, by the way, cost her €40. And uh, she said she hasn't heard anything back yet and she's wondering if we could check out what is the long delay. So we'll do a shout out. Is anybody else waiting from the 7th, over a month now for a driving licence to come in the post? If anybody can tell us what's going on there. And in the meantime, we'll see. Can we get on to the NDLS to see what's happening for Sheila? Okay, got to leave it there. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick is with you. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.